right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe Roll, the uh, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is now Wednesday morning. Uh, it was Tuesday night when I watched the Denver Nuggets uh, lose to the Los Angeles Clippers. Final score, 87-85. Nuggets get outscored by 13 in the fourth quarter, beginning with a scoreless run from the bench that lasted over three minutes. Uh, They were not the only contributors to lose this game, but when you see the starters were a full-on plus and the bench was a full-on minus, it is hard to come away with many uh, conclusions other than that one. Um, so the Nuggets, they lose and they blow another four, uh, like second half lead, and they were up as many as 25 points in this game. The Nuggets starters were fantastic for, I would say, two and a half quarters where they got out to a pretty strong lead in the second half and kind of at the, the seven minute mark of the third quarter. And then the Clippers went on a quick 8 0 run immediately after Denver got that lead up to 25. Get it down to 17. Michael Malone calls a timeout. You can see he's visibly frustrated. And then Denver starts their substitution patterns. And basically, for the entire time after that, uh, the Nuggets were scrambling. The Nuggets were trying to find ways to get Nikola Jokic the ball. They were trying to find ways to not turn the ball over. And they struggled for the entire game. After, uh, well, even before that on the offensive end. But this was a... This was a defensive showdown for a lot of it, and Denver's defense did really well in the first half. I want to give them credit where credit is due. They allowed 28 total points. It was fantastic. And then they gave it up. Give up 59 points in the second half and 32 in the fourth quarter, and you've got a lot of things to talk about. But start with the positive. Let's start with the starters. Uh, I want to start with Aaron Gordon, who had 30 points, 12 rebounds, was the recipient of a bunch of Nikola Jokic dimes, where Jokic faces a double team or a triple team, Gordon cuts, finds the right opportunity in the middle of the defense to get a dunk or get a layup or get fouled or whatever. And he was fantastic. 30 points on 16 shots. I believe that this was the this was the best game offensively of his Nuggets tenure, where he even hit a three. He was just in perfect lockstep with Nikola Jokic. Those guys were on the same page. Between Jokic and Gordon, they scored all 19 points of Denver's fourth quarter, which I think goes to show uh, just how bad the rest of the group was. But again, we're starting with the positives here. Uh, Gordon, 30 points, 12 rebounds, did have four turnovers, but was a plus six in a two-point loss. Nikola Jokic, 37 minutes, 21 points, 13 rebounds, eight assists, did have five turnovers, and did get posterized in this game, but hit a nice Sombor shuffle late, did a lot of good things on the offensive end and on the defensive end when he actually received the ball, and he was a plus six in a two-point loss. Let's talk about Monte Morris. 11 points, 5 of 11 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. When he had the ball in his hands, the Nuggets were pretty good. He was a plus 6 in a 2-point loss. 
The problem was that he did not have the ball to close the game. The problem was that Denver went away from the Monte Morris, Nikola Jokic pick and roll to end the game and really, really struggled uh, to run functional offense when it mattered. They decided that they wanted to go with Faku Campazzo in a lot of those sets and not having a guy who really uh, spaced out the defense well, not really having a guy who could take advantage of the space that Jokic was providing. Instead, they just tried to run Jokic isos down the stretch. And sometimes Jokic hit the shots and they were pretty tough. Sometimes they couldn't even get in the ball. And it led to 30-foot Composo threes. Or Austin Rivers like trying to save the day with a deep shot. It's just frustrating to watch what was a pretty good starting unit fall apart as Jermichael Green was off the floor and the Nuggets decided to go with a different look, a smaller look that couldn't defend anyway. Denver could have had Jermichael Green on the floor. They chose not to do that. Jermichael Green in this game was a plus 15 in 18 minutes, despite not doing a whole heck of a lot. He defended Marcus Morris pretty well, helped the Nuggets dominate the glass when he was out there, had a steal, had a block, was a plus 15 despite scoring zero points in a two-point loss. Austin Rivers, going to give him a pass on this one. Four points, 0 of 4 from the field, 4 of 6 from the line. Michael Malone told us pregame that he had allergy shots, that he, he went to the hospital had an EpiPen stuck into him, wasn't able to breathe yesterday, was in the hospital until the evening, ultimately checked out, uh, responded well to treatment, and then decided that he wanted to give it a go tonight. He was a plus 13 in his 30 minutes in a two-point loss. The starters were not the issue. At least when they had all that that entire group out there. When they mixed and matched, when they decided to go a different direction, that's when they ran into issues because the Nuggets are not good when they go away from their starters. It doesn't matter what the combination is. It doesn't matter who comes off the bench. It doesn't matter which players they decide to play tonight or if they want to play the 5-9 guy for the entire game and watch the lead slip away. No, it doesn't matter, because the starters are very, very good, and they cannot be kept asked. Like, they cannot keep being asked to do this every single night, where Jokic plays 37 minutes, Gordon plays 35 on a bum hamstring, Monte Morris coming off of COVID protocols plays 34 minutes, and all were still a plus six. The starters were good. It's when they went away from it that they struggled. It's when they decided to go out of position, move Monte Morris to the two, that no wonder they started struggling to stop dribble penetration. They didn't play. They played James Ennis for four minutes. Obviously, he struggled during his time. But they played Davon Reed, who had seven rebounds in 14 minutes, and took him off the court. They didn't think that they needed anybody with size on the court. Davon Reed could have absolutely helped the Nuggets. But he wasn't on the court to close the game. It's very frustrating. Um, I thought that Denver's process was bad. 
I thought that the end of the game was really bad. I'm going to talk about that in the last segment when I want to talk about Michael Malone kind of as a whole. But I thought the starters were good enough tonight. I thought the starters did their job. They got the Nuggets a 25-point lead. It did get down to 17 while they were still out there. But it should not be up to them every single time to bail out this bench group. And when Michael Malone makes a conscious choice to take out one of his scorers in favor of defense, and then they can't score and they can't defend anyway, I'm going to talk about it. Because this was a bad Michael Malone game, and I'm, I'm going to let it be known. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about this bench unit. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, some of the decisions that were made, and I'm going to vent a little bit. We will be right back. Back, Big Action Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let's talk about the bench unit and why I, I think that this is just a an ongoing issue that the Nuggets are going to have to figure out and that, look, there, there are some things that they can try and that's going to be fine. Uh, but given as injured as they are, given that they didn't have Will Barton tonight, who... Hey, it would have been nice to have Will Barton at the end of the game. That that seems like a, a fun thing that would that would be helpful. Uh, but the bench, given that they have so few players at their disposal, I thought that Michael Mullen's decision to take out Bones in the second half, while justified, I think at the time, it really bit him in the butt because the Nuggets could not create offense. Uh, and here, here's here's what I'll say. The bench, Michael Mal- or Nikola Jokic goes out in the first half, uh, first quarter. About two minutes left, the Nuggets are up 14 to 10. So they're plus four. On um, The starters are plus four. Jokic is a plus four in his time then. And then when Jokic comes back in at the 647 mark, the Nuggets are still plus four. The score's 26-22. Not much has changed. Uh, the, the benches held serve during that time. They figured it out. It wasn't that bad. And then the second half comes around, and Denver gets the lead up to 25 with their starters, gets back, back down to 17 before they make substitutions. So the margin's plus 17. Denver, at this point, starts with their subs. They bring in uh, Jeff Green. They bring in Faku pretty much immediately. And they don't bring in Bones Highland at all in the third quarter. And what proceeds during this time is that the the possessions the possessions that are ensuing at that point. Jeff Green gets free throws. Uh, Nikola Jokic gets called for an offensive foul. Uh, Aaron Gordon gets free throws. Uh, Faku misses a three. Aaron Gordon misses a three. Monte turns the ball over. Um, then Davon Reed comes back in for Monte Morris. Um, then Jeff Green, he steps out of bounds for a turnover. And the score at this point, when Nikola Jokic checks out of the game, they're still a plus 10. So the benches, they still have an opportunity here to hold serve, to make sure that they're doing okay. Plus 10. Fourth quarter rolls around. 
Jokic checks back into the 919 mark, and the Clippers are basically about to make it a two-point game. So it took him about five minutes to really close that gap. And the big difference between the first stint and the second stint was that Bones Highland wasn't on the court. Was that the Nuggets decided that rather than go with Bones, who had been struggling offensively, who doesn't give you a lot of defense, they decided to go with James Ennis, a new player that they added, because they wanted to go all defense during that stretch. And they went all defense because they didn't have any offense. Jokic checks out of the game at uh, the 124 mark, or 125 mark, excuse me. And when he checks back into the game, the Nuggets have scored four points in five minutes. That's not good enough. It just never is. And though Denver has found some rhythm with the Faku Campazo, Jeff Green pick and roll, it has to be surrounded with spacing. When it isn't surrounded with spacing, when there aren't enough shooters around them that that are actually utilized in that space, then it's going to be a problem. And the Clippers decided to even forego that. Because at the start of the fourth quarter, they went to a zone. Up 11, Denver, all they needed to do was hit a couple threes with the floor, uh, with the with the zone on the floor. They needed to break it. They needed to get into the teeth of the defense, kick out for threes. And they couldn't do it. Jeff Green turns the ball over. He misses an inside shot. Um, Davon Reed misses a three. Jeff Green misses a pull-up two. Uh, Faku misses a three. Uh, James Ennis turns the ball over. And then Denver has to get their starters back into the game where they're only up uh, they're only up two points at that point. The Nuggets are they have a playmaking crisis right now off their bench. Because while Faku does a good job of getting others involved, he can't do it from the standpoint of being aggressive looking for his own shots. He can't dictate what the offense or what the defense is going to do with his own scoring. And for the NBA, for this league, for what you have to do in order to stay consistent, the Nuggets need somebody who's going to hit shots handling the ball. A lot of people want the ball in Faku's hands because he's a good playmaker, because he he passes guys open. The reason why those guys are able to find those shots is because of the spacing around them, is because when Zeke Najdi's in the corner, that means that Jeff Green has an opportunity at the rim because Faku will then pass to the opposite corner. He did that in the first half. Faku was finding guys in the first half, including Zeke Naji, including Bones Highland, who wasn't hitting shots, uh, including Davon Reed, and including Jeff Green. He was finding and spreading the ball around. And the Nuggets were hitting shots in the first half, and they weren't hitting shots in the second half. And then the starters come back in. And then you start to see the end of the game. And Faku's still out there. And Monte Morris is there. And he's playing the one 
or Faku's playing the one, Monte Morris is playing the two. You've got Austin Rivers at the three, Aaron Gordon at the four, Nikola Jokic at the five, but they've lost the momentum. And during this entire time, the Nuggets struggle to get Jokic the ball. They have to run down the shot clock consistently, or else they're not going to find the right shot where Jokic is being swarmed by Eric Bledsoe, Nick Batum, Marcus Morris, Amir Coffey, guys like that. And the people that are trying to deliver him the pass, whether it's Gordon, whether it's uh, Faku, whether it's Monte, they aren't comfortable enough shooting those spot-up threes that when Jokic faces a double team immediately, or when those guys are just doubling off of him before the pass, then they don't just pull up and shoot when they have to. That has to happen. Those guys have to be able to make the defense pay for crowding the paint as often as they do. The entire team shot 4 of 33 tonight. Jokic missed the game winner, but before that he was 1 of 2. Like He had been doing okay spacing the floor. But Monte Morris was one of six. The ball probably should have been in his hands in a pick and roll capacity. As somebody who could get into the teeth of the defense and pressure at the left elbow, right elbow. The Nuggets never really went to that, for whatever reason. The ball was in Faku's hands, a lot. Or it was in Austin Rivers' hands, where he was trying to deliver the ball into the post. And for whatever reason, the Nuggets just kept trying to force feed an action that wasn't working. And part of that was just, uh, it's very frustrating. Like, just just face it, Faku has to be better. And he has to be better delivering the ball in the spaces where Nikola can take advantage of it when it's not just middle pick and roll. He's not putting Jokic in a good place to score. And then when he sits on the wing after making the pass and Jokic is at the the top of the circle, 18 feet, 20 feet out, Faku's man just doubles off of him. Just doesn't care that Faku's right there. And he, among other players, were not able to make Denver, like like they were not able to make the Clippers pay for being as janky of a defense as it was. The Clippers did not deserve this game. They did not deserve this win with the way that Denver had played. But the momentum started to slip right at the end of Denver's uh, starting stretch in the third quarter. It continued in the third with the bench where Denver tried to do everything that they could uh, to get Jokic the ball and just struggled. Like, they could not get it to him. Some of this is on Jokic. I do think that he could be better in those situations. But a lot of it is just on the passers that they have. Either the passers that they have are too short, or they are not skilled enough, or they don't have enough spacing to draw their defender away from Jokic consistently. I think Gordon is the best entry passer on Denver. Gordon makes consistently good entry passes to Jokic. When he takes his time, 
When he finds the passing window, he makes it inconsistently. Uh, Jokic does a good job of taking advantage of that. Morris is next. Faku and Rivers. Rivers specifically struggles. Like, Justice has not been good, but he's been better than Faku. Faku has really struggled to make those passes. And the Nuggets don't put him in the position to put make those passes anymore. And it just crowds the offense so much. So much so that Denver's having these guys, uh, whether it's Rivers, whether it's Gordon, uh, come across the paint uh, to try to high-low consistently. And there was a point where Faku and Rivers and Gordon, I'm pretty sure all three, were trying to do that. And they ran into each other. Uh, or at least two of them ran into each other. And Jokic just got to just be there like, come on, guys. Like, like, can we can we just try to get me the ball one time? One time. Cleanly. Because when he got it clean, it was fine. Everything was okay. Problem is Denver couldn't get it consistently. And it's just another case of Denver, the starters, putting in great work early, faltering late. And the bench just continuing that downward momentum. When we come back, we're going to talk about Michael Malone and some of the decisions that he made tonight, uh, because I think that those are those stand out as pretty bad decisions and partially why Denver lost this game. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you for tuning in on this this ugly loss. I know you're you're probably not wanting me to uh, to rant as much as I am, but it's just been it's been a frustrating year. It's been really really tough uh, for the Nuggets specifically, but just just covering this group, I can see the visceral pain that Jokic is going through right now where the team around him just isn't functional. And he's doing a lot trying to carry the group. And if they were just functional, then the team would be okay. If they were just able to maintain competent play for longer than like six minutes, then things would be okay. But at this point, he's he's having to, to lift up a bunch of people on one arm and also dragging away the the opposition on the other arm and also trying to dribble a basketball with, uh, like, I don't know. It's just been like his forehead. Like he's trying to he's trying to do too much right now, and there's only so much that he can do. And he looks like he's breaking. There were some baffling coaching decisions tonight. And I usually try to give Michael Malone the benefit of the doubt in these situations. I know that he's been having a really, really frustrating time. It's just tough. It's it's tough. I think the three things that stand out to me are pulling bones, leaving Faku in with the starters, and not calling a timeout at the end of the game. Let's start with pulling bones. Uh, on the the 
baffling decision scale. This was a seven out of ten. This wasn't like a this wasn't a tire fire decision, but here's the thing. Denver has they they were one of let's see, one of five, one of ten, one of fifteen with their bench lineup from three. And part of that was Bones Highland. Part of that was the fact that the rookie that they've been playing that has really struggled defensively uh, hasn't really been able to do a whole heck of a lot offensively lately and has been kind of a, a struggle uh, getting him the ball, getting him going over the course of these last couple of games. Bones Highland only played eight minutes tonight, was 0 of 5. But the problem is the alternative. Where Denver had to go for, I think, four straight minutes with Faku, Davon Reed, James Ennis, Jeff Green, and Zeke Naji as their bench quintet. And they scored four points. And I'm not surprised at all that they really struggled to score with that group, let the opposition back into the game. And a lot of it was because the Clippers went zone. And I think we saw back at the Miami Heat game that Bones came back to play uh, during Denver's road trip. He was shooting 29-footers. He was doing a whole lot of great things from a floor spacing standpoint against a zone where they couldn't play zone anymore because of what Bones was doing. The Clippers went to a zone. And the Nuggets tried to get into the teeth of the defense where Jeff Green had to face like two or three guys while he was trying to shoot contested seven-foot shots. Uh, Faku tried to hit some threes. Davon Reed tried to hit a three. It didn't work. And the reason it didn't work was because Denver didn't have enough spacing out there and enough playmaking out there in order to make it work. I'm surprised that they did, like, even if they didn't go to Bones, going to James Ennis and not going to Monte Morse or Aaron Gordon or somebody like that is a problematic decision. It wasn't the worst decision, which is why we're going to talk about some of this other stuff, uh, like leaving Faku in there while he was struggling. Faku was 0 for 6 on the game. He played 28 minutes, 0 of 5 from 3. Did have five assists, but ended the game a minus 19. And in a situation where we saw Nikola Jokic really struggling with floor spacing, where we saw the Nuggets really start to cramp up, the Nuggets needed somebody to take over, or at least take control in that situation. And rather than it be Monte Morris, who's the starting point guard, with Faku on the court, the Nuggets went to Faku Nikola Jokic pick and rolls. And basically all those were doing was to serve a purpose of getting Nikola Jokic the ball with 20 feet away from the basket. And then the Clippers would double, and then Jokic would rotate the ball, or he'd th throw up a contested two-pointer, and sometimes he made it, sometimes he didn't. Faku being out there didn't help the defense at all. It didn't help the offense at all. It really didn't help anything at all. 
it took Denver out of their rhythm offensively, where what they were doing in the first half with Monte Morris, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic working together in concert, Jamichael Green providing some, some pressure on the baseline, and even Austin Rivers slashing to the rim. He was pushed completely off ball. He didn't get any opportunities in the second half. Only like a bailout three at one point. Because the Nuggets were trying to force feed the Faku Jokic pick and roll. And then whatever became of it after that. It was frustrating. Frustrating to watch for sure. But the last decision was the worst one where Denver's at 97 to 95. They get a stop, and they get it with about six seconds, five and a half seconds left on the clock. Jokic gets it at about the, say, the free throw line, maybe the dotted line, not the dotted line, but like maybe the top of the circle uh, when he where he collects the rebound. And the Nuggets don't have numbers. They don't have an advantage. But Michael Malone wants them to push the ball. doesn't call a timeout. And his reasoning for it after the game was because the Nuggets weren't able to run any sets. And they screwed up all the sets when he did slow, the ga- slow down the game. So he wanted something organic, something that kind of came from the chaos of the possession. What happened was Jokic dribbled the ball up the court about 30 feet and then took about a 28-30 footer that was very, very contested. Shot it short. And I struggle to think that Denver couldn't have gotten a similar shot after a timeout. Where they could have had an opportunity to pause the game with about five seconds left to go. And if Nikola Jokic gets doubled off the catch, then at least you get an open three from somebody else. An open three. It's better than a contested three. At least it's an open three. Or maybe Aaron Gordon cuts to the to the rim again. Jokic finds him for a two. And that's fine as well. But Denver was not in a position to run a fast break. Jokic was leading it. And the great thing about when Jokic leads the fast break was that it's it's really a slow break, but he always maintains the, the advantage. He's just not fast. And Denver needed somebody out there who was fast with the ball. And that just didn't happen. I thought it was a bad decision. I thought that Denver should have had an opportunity to take a timeout, get another shooter in the game, get Jeff Green in the game, a veteran who knows how to run a set. You have Monte, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, Nikola Jokic. And then you run a play for Yoke, and whether it's to get him a three or not, if you do get him a three, you put him in a position where now you have Jeff Green or Aaron Gordon who can crash the glass. Denver didn't have that down at the end of this game because they, when, he, when Yoke had shot it, they, he had like 1.5 seconds left. That's not what would have been the case. If you had taken a timeout. So I think it was the wrong call. Could it have been the right call? I don't know. Like, I know that there's there's math that says one way or the other that, hey, if there's a certain situation that you face on the court, 
then you want to let it play out. But that's usually if there's an advantage, usually if there's open court. There really wasn't when Jokic was out there, and I just I disagree with the call. I think that's a 10 out of 10 on the screwed it up scale, the baffling coaching decision scale. And that sucks because Denver's just, they, they have not played well in these last two especially, but really all season when it comes to second halves, when it comes to in the flow of a game, trying to deliver and trying to make something work. They probably needed a timeout to get their head on straight, then to drop a three-pointer for Yoke, get him a breather. I think that would have been way better. Somebody brought this stat to my attention. I'm going to share a couple stats here. The Nuggets have been outscored in the second half 17 straight games. Take that in for a second. 17 straight games. The Nuggets have been outscored in the second half. I didn't verify if this one was true, so if this person is duping me, I'm sorry. But it certainly feels right. It certainly feels like the Nuggets have not been able to dominate in a second half at all. Another one. Faku has played 39 games this year. He has a negative plus-minus in 30 of them. That's 77% of the games. And somehow the Nuggets are still above 500. Like, they're still a game up. Faku has the worst plus-minus of any player on a plus-500 team. And it can't just be his supporting cast. It can't just be, oh, the situation that he's been put in has been really tough. I know it's been tough, but he's also started some games in place of Monte Morris. He's also been put in a situation at times where, even early in the season, Denver was staggering Michael Porter. They were staggering Will Barton. They had P.J. Dozier. Jeff Green was on the bench then, too. Every single combination. The Nuggets have struggled. It hasn't mattered who they've put out there. But what I will say is that one guy has been out there pretty consistently. And I don't think that's stopping. I I just don't think that Denver is going away from Faku Campazzo. That's Michael Malone's guy. He defends him with the challenge. He defends him and, and plays him and overextends him. Hypervalues the hustle plays that he makes. And doesn't necessarily look at the times when he's shot over. Or when he can't get the pass to somebody. Or when the shooting is just not going in. He's obviously not the only one that struggled. But the Nuggets have tried every other combination. Other than, let's see what happens for an extended period if Faku isn't playing. They've tried everything else. And nothing has worked. So I want to see them try something else. I don't think it's going to happen. I think he's going to continue to play. And that's one thing that I'm worried about when the trade deadline comes around, because this isn't just going to go away when Jamal Murray comes back. The Nuggets are still going to try to find time for Monte Faku backup units, or they're going to play Monte with the starters. 
and run a three-guard lineup with Monte, Jamal, and Barton. And then Faku's going to be out there. I don't know. I'm concerned. I think that Denver, this has been a constant problem. And contrary to popular belief, it was a constant problem last year that was masked by Michael Porter, of all people. He's not there. He's not there to space the floor. And as a result, the Nuggets have really, really struggled offensively. Good news. It was nice to see Jamal Murray and Michael Porter warming up on the court together tonight. They're like a B version of, of Stephen Clay, who when you when you saw them, when you see Stephen Clay out there finally warming up together, you just get good vibes. Really nice to see those guys back out there together. Uh, it was nice to see Jamal Murray and Michael Porter both warming up. I, I still think that Jamal is now a ways away. I think that he's probably going to be out after the All-Star break. But my colleague, Matt Moore, uh, seems to think otherwise. He still thinks that there's there's a strong possibility that he suits up before. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully the people that told me what I said, uh, hopefully they're wrong too. With regard to Michael Porter, uh, the Nuggets still think that he could come back as well. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I would be very hesitant to predict that Porter plays again this year. But there are some people in the Nuggets organization that are still positive. That is for certain. We're just going to have to wait and see. We're going to have to see what they do at the deadline. Uh, But for now, it doesn't look like reinforcements are coming anytime soon. So you hope that Will Barton can get out of health and safety protocols pretty soon. And you hope that uh, Denver can find some semblance of rhythm because they don't have it now. And anytime you score 85 points, the questions are going to be fair. And I think a lot of it is because there's one guy that isn't really holding up his head at the bargain. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast family. Thank you so much for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. And if you listen to this podcast, you are a real one and you like pain and and I support you. Uh, Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Not sure if I'm going to podcast tomorrow or not. I will just have to see. But uh, either way, you will hear from me very, very soon. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll talk to you guys shortly.